0: off the ball
1: he's very very dangerous player in scottish football he's he's probably he can't be too good for scottish football if you know what i mean subscribe
0: now to the otb football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the otb sports app off the ball
2: daily well, it is one of those action packed days. We are busy right the way through here and off the ball. There'll be a big focus on Manchester United against Liverpool. Kenny Cunningham, Stephen Doyle are there, contrasting fortunes not least in comparison with last season. So that is the half past four game in the Premier League. Before that, Everton in dire straits against Nottingham Forest. Nathan Murphy and Keith Tracy with us for the early kickoff in the Premier League. The Sunday Papers has been uh, broadcast already via our social channels and on the OTB app, which is in your app store. Kleena Foley and Roy Curtis going through the papers today, available to podcast very shortly. 53106 is where you can text us. We are at off the ball on Twitter. We have a full house. Anne Marie is here. Hello.
3: Hi Joe.
2: Aiden as well. Aiden, afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. And uh, we're busy. Let's hop her in. We'll check in on uh, team news in the first Premier League game in a few moments. But first to Oma, we have an early start in Division One. This is Kerry against Tyrone. Ashley O'Reilly is watching this one. Threw in twelve forty-five, Ashley, So we're well into the first half now.
3: Yes, Joe. It's nineteen minutes gone here. Tyrone one two Kerry one four. A cagey game so far. It was Terry Sean O'Shea who opened the scoring of the game with some individual brilliance. He took his man on and blasted home a goal two minutes into the game. Tyrone's Dara Canavan. He got Tyrone up and running with a point from play. But David Clifford. He cancelled that out down the other end with a superb shot. One of those shots, Joe, that everybody in the stand here just looks at each other and wonders, how did he just do that? But the big moment so far for Tyrone, it was 14 minutes gone. Kerry goalkeeper Shane Ryan, he was put under pressure by Brian Kennedy and he dropped the ball into the back of the net. So it's all go here in O'Neill Healy Park. 19 minutes gone. Tyrone 1-2, Kerry 1-4. Great
2: stuff. Thanks, Ashley. Back and forth uh, across that game. So 1-2 uh, to 1-4. Mark O'Shea in the Mail on Sunday is a great piece remembering those famous Kerry-Tyrone clashes of the Naughties. One line is he remembers Brian McGuigan roaring in his face, you'll never effing beat us, which is hell of a statement on McGuigan's part.
3: They didn't. <laughs> mm. so yeah, the got,
2: you got to say it with confidence, I guess. Um, so that's Ashley Nanoma, 1-2 to 1-4, bright start Kerry, early uh, throw-in we're presuming so Kerry fans can get home in uh, some kind of daylight, but an early morning trek for sure. Nathan Murphy, is with us as well, good afternoon Hey Joe Did you dream about me last night as a matter of interest? I'm
4: concerned about where this is going But uh, I'm going to say, not this time Joe
2: I dreamt about you oh, And I was wondering was if there was thing? psychic energy Do you know what, the, the disappointing news I have for you It was, it was unbelievably mundane uh, We were just chatting about our life. the football show in the office That's my life, <laughs> that's the extent of my did imagination something,
4: Did something exciting happen around us? No, it's just like, hey, what, any thoughts on the football show? That kind of a conversation yeah. The football show is now your new leaving cert. You, on a Saturday night, are fearing as to what you're going to put on the, mon- on the football show on a Monday well, night. Indeed,
2: indeed, indeed. So uh, I just thought I would, I mean, look. It's I'd fine, probably, I listen. Probably could
4: text think you think about this. you all the time,
2: but listen. Not dreaming yet. It's, it's good.
3: I was hoping the dream was going to be more of an O'Shea McGuigan showdown.
2: <laughs> 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 You'll
3: never be as good as me.
2: Oh, dear. So we have Everton in an interesting place against Nottingham Forest, who are that bit more settled.
4: Big game of the day, Joe. Big game of the day. All eyes. All <laughs> eyes. Uh, very much the warm-up act, uh, this one. And two sides that are right in the mix. But, hey, who isn't in the mix for relegation right now in the Premier League? It's incredible. Nine points. Or, sorry, six points separating the bottom nine teams. Everybody from Crystal Palace down in 12th is right in the mix. And both these teams are in the heart of it. Uh, Everton have scored fewer goals than any other team in the Premier League this season, and Forest have scored one more goal than them. Everton have had a couple of wins under Sean Dyche, but they've also had some really bad defeats, and it feels as though they're going to be right there in this until the end of the season. I think when they found themselves in this position over the last few years, Everton, there has been that sense that maybe the cliché was true that they were too good to go down. I don't think anyone looks at Everton right now and looks at their team and looks at the players available and thinks that there are three worse teams than them. I think Southampton and Bournemouth, as well as they did yesterday in their respective matches, probably are the two weakest squads. But after that, I would have Everton right there, maybe alongside Leeds. There's just nothing happening for them at all. And this, this feels huge. Now, because there's so many teams, there's probably going to be three relegation six-pointers every single weekend. But away at Nottingham Forest, who are a tough, tough teams. They're tough to watch, I've got to be honest. I've seen a lot of them over the last couple of months. They keep it tight. Very low scoring games, but at the city ground, they know how to grind out a victory and Everton have been absolutely brutal away from home all season. So this is one of those scrappy games that whoever wins this will feel they've got a nice little bit of momentum heading into the final third of the season.
2: Yeah, the Deitch era started so positively with that 1-0 win against Arsenal at the start of February. And we all probably were guilty of thinking, ah, that's just what they needed. He'll be the big Sam of 2023, swiftly followed by defeat on the Monday night to Liverpool 2-0. They did beat Leeds, then they lose to Aston Villa last week and Arsenal put four on them uh, during the week. So, it's hard to know where they are. It's 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 going to be that up and down situation you suspect until the end of the season there's only so much Deitch can do with that squad
4: there is and they just don't have anyone who can score goals you look at as I said fewest in the Premier League 17 goals in 25 matches Damari Gray their top scorer with 3 goals Calvert-Loon they've been waiting for Calvert-Loon all season I heard Gary Neville make this point in one of their live games in Sky Sports every time we watch everything we think well if Calvert-Loon gets back fit and gets back to his best they'll be fine but he just can't get fit they can't get him anywhere near his best and it's hard to see how they can do that over the space of the next two or three months to get him to a level where he scores six or seven goals in the space of 10 games. And that would probably be enough for them. But it's a it's a squad that has been poorly recruited for four or five years, expensively recruited, and just lacks a real quality. And the job for Sean Dyche is, can he put a shape on them? Probably the sort of shape that Steve Cooper has put on Nottingham Forest, where there is nobody better at grinding out a 1-0 victory mm. than Forrest at the city ground. Like they, yeah. There's no great ambition from them at all. But the difference watching them over the last six weeks, really since the World Cup break to the start of the season, they know exactly what they're about. Even though they've signed 25, 30 players, they seem to have confidence in themselves actually, even at home, to sit back, to absorb pressure, and nick a goal, and then have that bit about them that they'll hang on to it. But it's... Yeah, this this is one of these games that we're going to have every single weekend where you feel that the losers, the losers were going to be writing off straight away. Mm. But, yeah, it's... Uh, today may not be pretty.
2: Yeah. Forrest, I mean, when you look at the table, they're in such better shape uh, post-World Cup, as you rightly say, versus pre. They're currently in 14th, and this is a game in hand on Everton and most of the teams at the bottom. Where Forrest to win today, they leapfrog three teams. They're into... Uh, 12th ahead of Crystal Palace and they're suddenly seven points clear of the relegation zone. So, I mean, for them, the incentive is huge. They'd probably happily take a draw. So that's our first live game. The back page is a wash with Eric Ten Hag uh, holding court, really, uh, about just what a brilliant job he's doing. So take your pick. It's uh, back pages along the lines of the club was a mess before I arrived. It's not anymore. Or, I slept brilliantly after I got rid of Ronaldo. This is a man in total control. What are we expecting today? It's amazing how uh, fortunes are contrasted all of a sudden.
4: Ah, it's hard to make a case right now as to how Liverpool win this game. Which, when you think back to where we were at the start of the season, uh, people looked at you like you were mad if you'd made uh, such a proclamation. But the way Liverpool set up and the way Manchester United set up, it's a complete reverse of the last two or three years We think United are the worst possible team that Liverpool could play right now. That Rashford is going to rip them apart uh, with the pace that he has and if he can get into that gap between whether it's Kanata or Matip and Trent Alexander-Arnold, they're going to do huge damage. There's nobody in that Liverpool midfield that can put any great pressure on Casemiro right now. So, Sitting here right now, it's hard to see how Liverpool, I think they would be more than happy to come away from this one with a point, keep a bit of momentum. All the teams around them in the scrap of the top four are stuttering right now with Newcastle and Tottenham. So stay in that mix, don't have a heavy defeat and just try and bounce back. The only thing you would look at if Liverpool are to win this is if they can get United on the back foot, if Nunez is fit. Salah and Liverpool have been at their best which has generally been brief spells in games still looks on it if they can get on the ball in dangerous positions can they get United running backwards can they put a bit of pressure on Fred in the middle of the field presuming that he starts and then at Anfield bit of momentum crowd behind them get a goal and hold on but while while results have improved uh, it still doesn't feel like Liverpool are anywhere near where they need to be
2: No flickered briefly pre-Real Madrid and now they're back uh, to where they have been sir, for so much of the season. Thank you for the time being. Cheers, Joe. Key Tracy alongside Nathan, that uh, kicks off at 2 o'clock live here on Off the Ball. Latest in Division 1, again, a couple of early starts, 12.45 starts in Division 1, round 5. Galway, three points. Monaghan, who won last week against Roscommon, of course, four points. That's at Pierce Stadium. And the latest up at Healy Park, Tyrone, 1 3, Kerry, 1 5. Again, 12.45 throw in. The other game in Division 1, He's a 2.45 throw and that's Roscommon against Mayo. That's Dr Hyde Park. Uh, Let's run people through other uh, stories happening across the day. You've some Eric Den Haag for us Anne-Marie to get the ball rolling.
3: Yeah, today is set to be Eric Den Haag's first visit to Anfield as United manager. They go into the game at half past four, unbeaten in their last 11, but haven't won at the ground in the league since 2016. He spoke about the gravity of the fixture during the week.
1: Very excited, we're really looking forward. Uh, We know what we can expect there, strong opposition, hostile ambience. Uh, We're really looking forward uh, to perform there. Our mentality is one of the decisive facts on Sunday, so we know we have to play our best but then really our best to get the right result there. Uh, The character makes a difference and the one who is uh, the most resilient, uh, most spirit in the team, and most brave will win the game. Our players are used to, to play the, those games. They have also the experience to play Liverpool or if they didn't play Liverpool um, away or Manchester, Liverpool, Liverpool, Manchester then they play Barcelona, Real Madrid. So they know how to deal in such occasions. And especially Liverpool, um, that is the rival. Uh, we have to win that game. So we beat them once this season, but we want to go for two.
3: You give out about the phrase "character" during the week, and Den Hag says that's what it's going to come down to.
2: Den Hag's, let's say it. <laughs> a character is a part of sport for sure. I was given out about the fact that sometimes a yeah, player cliche, does something yeah. fairly general, and commentator screams "what character." But for sure, I mean, the genesis of that is that character is important. Don't put words in my mouth, typical journalist. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, but in terms of what he's saying there, obviously United on paper are streets ahead of Liverpool at the moment, but you can't underestimate. I know it's such a cliche, but the power of Anfield, you really can't. We all did go into the City game and then Liverpool um, came away with a win there. So I just, I don't see... United going away with three points today. I don't, anyways. Well, that,
2: Liverpool are still capable of one-off performances. Yeah, and they I, get
3: up for these big
2: games. Real Madrid second half now. That's I think okay, we'll that is that, the big. Yeah. That is the big question, I suppose. What
5: kind of a mental hangover does that have? Because Liverpool started that game really well, went two 0 up, and looked like they were being the Liverpool of old and then just the psychological blow of just conceding goals so easily particularly that third goal which was just a catastrophic mistake at a corner I mean that does have a mental hangover and Manchester United can exploit that definitely
2: On uh, Casemiro who's been star of the year really there's a brilliant piece by Jonathan Northcroft in the Sunday Times and he has spoken to various people around Casemiro both at Manchester United and at Real Madrid and it does paint a very impressive picture. So, for instance, you might remember when he first arrived at Manchester United and he made a beeline for Roy Keane who was working for Sky on the touchline and shook his hand and you were kind of thinking, Casemiro, Roy Keane, draw an Mm -hmm. automatic line between those two. So Northcroft's piece talks about Casemiro's arrival at the club. When they tried to brief him before his unveiling, the Manchester United media department found that Casemiro had better answers than they were ready to suggest for him and an in-depth knowledge of United's history. He was already talking about Cantona, Scholes, Keane. He had done his homework to an extent that has bowled over coaching staff. Whoever Manchester United played, Casemiro comes armed with details and stats about the opposition. At home, he watches football continually, at least one game a day, and he uses Scout, that's um, technology, to do his own analysis on rivals. He once used the platform to spot a pattern in Kylian Mbappe's play, which he exploited in a Champions League game. And he revealed in a Spanish interview, I watch everything from China, anywhere. My wife gets annoyed, but it's my work. My life is football. And the piece quotes Ancelotti, who was asked which Real Madrid player he worked with most likely to become a manager. He said Casemiro. And the other funny thing about Casemiro, so the the piece echoes what a lot of people thought, that this was maybe another... Sebastian Schweinsteiger or Alexis Sanchez, another example of Manchester United signing a star of yesteryear. But uh, when Casemiro arrived, I thought he looked a touch overweight in his face. Just didn't think he looked super lean or super fit. Obviously, uh, completely wrong. The piece says Casemiro has an extensive gym, uh, works in his own fitness religiously, one of the first to training, eats breakfast at the canteen with uh, Fernandez, that's Bruno, and David de Gea although it's been noted how in contrast to Ronaldo he spends time with the young players having quiet uh, words and the piece talks about when he was at Real Madrid he had just won the Copa America with Brazil in 2019 he was on holiday with his family in Sao Paulo they had their bags packed they were heading to Orlando For a holiday, he sat down to watch Real Madrid in a friendly, pre-season friendly against Atletico in New Jersey. Real lost 7-3. Casemiro quietly separated his luggage from his family's, booked a flight to Madrid so he could begin his pre-season early. I mean, his per wife. This is, (laughs) that's a lot. And uh, it talks as well about his upbringing, grew up in poverty. Often he slept at his grandmother's or his aunt's because there was no room at home. Uh, Rafa Benitez talked about how Real Madrid wanted to sell him. In 2015 when Rafa was manager and he blocked the idea, absolutely not, that this guy was the business. Uh, Florentino Perez wanted James Rodriguez to play with Luka Modric and Toni Kroos. Rafa said, "Okay, we'll do that. They lost 4-0 to Barcelona and pretty quickly Casemiro was very much alongside Modric and Kroos. Uh, He comes across uh, amazingly. A veteran club employee at Manchester United says he's our most important signing since Cantona.
3: There was a moment at the very end of the League Cup final last week where United are two 0 up, like we're talking like could have even been into injury time and um United players were naturally in kind of celebration mode and Casemiro goes for Fernandez yeah. for not going for a ball. Yeah. Not in, passing. Yeah, or sure not if, passing, yeah. yeah. And um it was it's just kind of a snapshot of him as a player their most important signing yeah probably in ages for me player of the season because everyone's saying Rashford or Haaland but Rashford's in that kind of form because of the difference that Casemiro has made you know they all talk about just the quality that he's brought to the midfield but as well as that the presence and players are naturally better around him and obviously Rashford and Haaland stand out because of their stats but United's turn has come on the back of Casemiro, yeah. definitely.
2: Is um, learning English uh, very diligently at the moment as well. This reads like when Harry Maguire, uh, the inevitable happens that this is the captain next year. It's f- they're just blown away by him. Is Jonathan Norcroft's, uh point in this piece? So that's in the Sunday Times. If Who's you're interested, captain
3: now when Maguire doesn't play Fernandez? Fernandez was yeah. holding
2: the cup last week, anyway. Yeah. I just think Fernandez, with all his histrionics, with his throwing his arms in the air, it's a it's a quite a comparison, know. really, because Casemiro is somebody
5: who will do the job first and then give out to you for not doing it. You know, he's he's somebody he's that leader rather than the boss, and you, you see Fernandez kind of shouting and screaming, and as you say, the histrionics. Whereas Casemiro, I think gets stern with people without losing the head and I think that's very important especially and has been important for this turnaround for United and like that we often talk about it, I think I talked about it last week how something like Virgil van Dijk coming in you know one player can't make a difference but can change the standards around them and players mm. play up to that, those standards and that's definitely what
2: we've seen with Casemiro coming in Yeah so Liverpool Manchester United half past four Anfield live here on Off the Ball lots of other football Amory.
3: Yeah, Arsenal and last season's finalists Chelsea meet this afternoon. That's in the Conti Women's League Cup final. Katie McCabe expected to play there for Arsenal. Emma Hayes' side won two nil when these two met in the fifth round of the FA Cup last week. Kick off at a sold out Selhurst Park. and that one, is at three o'clock. In the WSL, meanwhile, leaders Manchester United lead Leicester City two nil. Approaching half time, it's just gone half time. This second in that game. Aston Villa meanwhile lead Everton one goal to nil that's with 20 minutes on the clock at two o'clock. Manchester City entertain Tottenham and West Ham go to Reading in the Scottish Premiership then it's one all between St Mirren and Celtic that's with an hour played yeah. in their game.
2: Jota just scored for Celtic to equalise after uh, penalty in the sixth minute for St Mirren.
3: Yeah, St Mirren as well, down to 10 men there. In um last night's GAA, we heard from Aisling in relation to today's. Derry moved a step closer to promotion to Division 1. That was with a dramatic win over Dublin, one point in the end. Brendan Rogers was the hero for the home side at Celtic Park. That's as they beat the Dubs, 111 to 13 points. Now Lachlan scored the goal for Rory Gallagher's side and that result means that they only need a single point in two weeks' time against Clare to secure top-flight football next year. Here's Derry's Oisín McWilliams after the game.
0: A few of the boys were saying they played Waterford maybe three or four years ago and I think there was 10 people at the match from Derry or something close. I think sheen and Potty Tad's oil pair were the only two there and then today the to see 18,000 in sporting Derry is just it's what you grow up dreaming of, basically. Yeah, the buzz is there and it's a uh, fair to Rory's brought that in. First day he came in, you knew God... There's something different about this man and then, look, this is where we're at today. I know it's only the league, but still, it's Dublin. We haven't played them under Rory yet, so it was probably a good first result to be playing them here and beating them by a point in the finish up. Well, I suppose when you've watched them for so long, you're thinking, oh, God, it's Dublin, it's Dublin, it's Dublin. But aye, once you get out there, you kind of forget. But first ball came to me, I dropped it, and then I just thought, I better get into it after this. I think they deserve the respect they've got down the years. Like, if you look at what they've done, there is no other team like them, and for me, they're probably the best team that has ever played. Gillick, basically. And Rory said that himself, I think. So, yeah, it was a good result today. I know they're missing three or four players, but still, it was good to win.
2: It was an amazing game. Live on TV, I'm sure a huge audience was watching. The dubs were well cleared at half-time and then Derry pushed up in kickouts stopped kicking the wise they'd been kicking in the first half and uh, Julie won the game in the final 30 seconds with a brilliant point. It, in some ways, it's so emblematic of the way Dublin have fallen in that those tight games, those one point games over the last decade, they invariably came out on top and there was almost something symbolic about them losing the way they did. There is that image going around of Kieran Kilkenny bearing
5: down on goal with uh, Issa Costello, who's just in acres of space and Kilkenny goes for the point, fists it over, doesn't even try an, a shot himself, which I thought was strange. But that just shows that uh, I think there's been a change in, in Kieran Kilkenny and in Dublin in general, whereas they're just passing that ball across and it's an easy goal and, and Dublin win that game kind of handy in the end, but... You know, maybe there's a bit of more pressure on Dublin this year that they are down in division two, that people are writing them off a little bit, and they're starting to make choices that they wouldn't have made before. Kieran Kilkenny, like I say, makes that pass. Nine times out of ten in years previous, but maybe his performances have come under a little bit, and he thought, "I'm going to go for the personal glory here. I'm going to go for the the winning shot," and it turned it's, out to be. Yeah, uh,
2: it's it's hard to know. I, to be yeah. fair to him, I don't think he's a personal glory
5: kind of player. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's it's not like his game at all. We were having a, a big discussion in my local GAA chat at the minute about whether. It's better to be that kind of quarterback player that he is, or to be a Bernard Brogan who can stand up and, and take those kind of scores. If he was a Bernard Brogan type of player, he probably would have taken that down, you know, gone for a left-footed shot, maybe slotted into the corner. But he's not that kind of player. He would have usually played that pass, and that's why it was it was so jarring, and that's why that moment kind of stands out in my head, anyway.
2: Yeah, did one or two other moments where they took points instead of goals that were on. That's a real take-your-points um, GA thing, I think, across the board. But um, I suppose the other point is they were routinely winning these games by so many points that those uh, moments you mentioned yeah. don't really matter the same way. Uh, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Cross off the ball. Colin Boyle is going to be on the show tomorrow evening. So we'll pick our way through the uh, league action. The latest again in Division 1 where there are two early games and we're just at half time now. Tyrone won six, Kerry won seven at Healy Park is a half time and it's all square between Galway and Monan Pierce Stadium, seven points apiece. There's been a red card for Galway, Peter Cook red carded, but seven points apiece at Pierce Stadium.
3: Um, elsewhere then, last night, Joe jo Uchturhan Tuffa, or President-elect, Jarlath Burns, was introduced to the crowd at halftime at the Athletic Grounds. That was for the first time since his election, and that was during Armagh's 13 point to 10 win over Donegal. Jarley Oak Burns, his son, scored the final score of the game, a really impressive point from a distance. So exciting times ahead for Armagh. Athletics then and Sarah Lavin has booked her place in this evening's final of the 60 metre hurdles at the European Indoor Championships in Istanbul the Limerick woman finished third in her semi-final today in a time of 7.99 seconds and that saw her progress. Elsewhere Sophie Becker, Charlene Maudsley, Cleanna Manning and Phil Healy will go in the final of the women's 4x400 metre relay just before half four Irish time and Dara McAlinney of UCD Athletics Club goes in the 3000 metre final at 5 o'clock.
2: Uh, Golf finally, then.
3: Leona Maguire finished up in a tie for 20th at the HSBC Women's World Championship. A one under par final round of 71 saw her finish up seven under for the tournament. That was 10 shots off winner Jin Young Ko of South Korea, who retained her title. Rory McElroy then is best of the Irish ahead of the final round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Florida. He shot a four under par round of 68 last night. That leaves him six under all round. In a tie for fifth, just three shots off the lead that's held by American Kurt Kitiyama. Padraig Harrington is one under. That's after a level par 72 yesterday. And Seamus Power and Shane Lowry both had days to forget. Respective rounds of four and eight over last night have them on six over par all round.
2: Okay, very good. We'll uh, keep you updated on uh, all the sport across the afternoon. Bahrain Grand Prix starts at three. Uh, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, one two. From For, McLaren, for uh, Red Bull, excuse me, Charles Leclerc, uh, third for Ferrari and uh, racing from uh, Wexford and Leopardstown as well. Guys, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Off the ball.
1: He's a very, very dangerous player in Scottish football. He's, he's probably he be too good for Scottish football, if you know what I mean.
0: Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream, wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app.